my learned friends. Yes. We all know about the various witch trials that have occurred around the world throughout history and even persist in some places today, as I learned, but that's neither here nor there. It's it's not what we'll be talking about. Witch trial has become shorthand for pretty much any situation in which people with some sort of agenda accuse a person of a misdeed as a means of punishing them or getting them out of the way. But I'm curious... (laughs) It's one of the first mm-hmm. things I say whenever anybody levels any kind of criticism at me. What is this? A witch hunt? Fuck! God damn it! And then yeah. I'm out. Get the table and walk out. Exactly. I mean, how do you come back from that? That's that's the ultimate accusation. So, I'm curious. Have you, in your travels and your studies, encountered the werewolf trials of Europe? <clears throat> no. Like both of your expressions there. Excellent. Delighted nice. that we pulled the same face. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful work. Uh, excellent. We are blank slates here. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So while the scope was considerably smaller than that of the witch trials, the stories that have lived on from that period are gory and a little bit unhinged. Now, just an interesting fact here. In America, we talk a lot about the Salem witch trials. Huge thing. Mm. About 200 people were accused of witchcraft in total, and of those, only 20 were actually executed for their alleged crime. 19 by hanging, and one, Giles Corey's, Giles Corey, pressed to death by stones. And that's not to... <laughs> this is a... Have you, have you heard about this, Mark? Your face like, yo. Uh, pressed to death. I mean, it's... Pressed it's... to death by stones. Like a grape. Like a grape, <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. slowly, <laughs> like squeezing a grape slowly. I went to the Salem Witch Trials Museum in Salem uh, when I was like a junior in college. And they have like all these, you know, like when you go to it's like the, not the Tower of London, but like all those kinds of things where they do like sil- like dummies of that reenact, like old shit and yeah. stuff like that. You know, um, what? Big Pit Mining Museum, Corey. Like, like Big Pit and Blind Listen, I went to the... Like I'm black... stunned that you don't know. Yeah, I went to the Black Country Mining Museum, and so I think oh, I have okay. an idea of not what the same. you're talking about here. It's not no. good. Not, not the same. But yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All these little dummies that are poorly constructed and everything smells yep. kind of yep. funky. Um, and they had one of Giles Corey just like with his bulging eyes and his mouth open being pressed to death by stones and you know one of the were were men which trialed then famously he was the only one convicted okay um so yeah was not super common for men to be um tried for being witches but in this case giles Corey was in fact tried and found guilty pressed to death with stones pretty grim grim. (laughs) Um, like the filling in a custard cream (laughs) <laughs> much like the filling in a custard cream when you drop it into your tea, you know, and yeah, it gets a little mushy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who the fuck did he piss off, though, as the only man in a, in a <laughs> predominantly female witch trial? Right, fuck who it, you're it? a witch. I'm going to get you. <laughs> right. And you know, you are, you are pointing at exactly what the thing is here, right, which I will talk about. But yeah, that it's like, it's not really about being a witch. It's about who did you piss off to get mm-hmm. here? So, like I said, only about 20 people uh, were, well, only 20 people, not about, only 20 people were executed in the witch witch trials. And that's not to scoff at 20 folks murdered under the guise of eradicating witches from colonial New England. 
But as I was reading up on this, I found out that Europe went way fucking harder. In Germany alone, for example, 16,474 people were put on trial for witchcraft. Nobody? Nearly 16,474 16, put on trial and nearly 7,000 executed over the course yeah. of about half a century. Ending I mean, it's in not like 18- Germany to go in on the fucking mass killings, is it? <laughs> right. Like, to be fair, their brand is strong. Yeah, <laughs> There's always someone bringing that up, right? Like, you know, just leave it where it is, you know? Let's just move on. In Switzerland, in Switzerland, nearly 6,000 were executed. In France, 1,663, and so on. England killed 367, but you'll be happy to know Wales only offed five people. Hey. Yeah, witchcraft trials didn't really catch on in your neck of the woods, and most no. people were acquitted if it got that far. In Which fact, too in... fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, kind of hassle. <laughs> yeah, people kind of like thought witches were kind of cool in Wales at that point. Like they were looked at as like kind of like you know your your healers and stuff like that in Wales at that time, and so it didn't cause as much of a panic as it did in in England that was much more uh, sort of traditionally religious. But back to the werewolves. Let me bring you to the 15th and 16th century in Europe. It's a time of superstition, yes. But it's also the Dark Ages, obviously. It's not the Dark Ages, people, just FYI. <laughs> It's a time of superstition, but it's also a time with a lot of religious and political conflict, much like 17th century Salem. If you've read much about the Salem witch trials, you know that the heart of the matter was mostly about various disputes among citizens. And accusing someone of witchcraft was a pretty quick and easy way to make the problem of their opposing viewpoint or their differing religious practice or their living on land you wanted or whatever the case may be Mm. go away. That's what makes it such an apt metaphor for so many things in society, like the Red Scare, as Arthur Miller used it in his classic The Crucible. Witch trials and their ilk are at their root about scapegoating, and the werewolf trials were no exception. As such, much like when we discussed the people who got caught up in the bestiality panic in colonial America, the folks who faced accusations of lycanthropy were often the sort of undesirables of society. Immigrants, the mentally ill, people who came across as solitary weirdos. The gays? uh, You know, it didn't come up in what I was researching, but I would venture to guess. Yeah, but that's probably amongst the things that would get someone Mm -hmm. strung up. Um, It is possible that some of the accused actually were pedophiles or serial killers. But the thing is, when you start when you're starting at the assumption that werewolves are real and outdoing murders, it's very hard to parse in the historical record what's fact and what yeah, is yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. batshit nonsense. Mm. <laughs> According to Melinda Beck, the concept of werewolves is actually pretty old, appearing in the Mesopotamian tome that's at the bane of every American sixth grader's existence, the Epic of Gilgamesh, in 2100 BC. The term lycanthropy itself comes perhaps predictably from the Greeks, originating with the story of one King Lycaon, 
who tricks Zeus into eating human flesh and is punished by being turned into a werewolf. Awesome. I was going to write trick Zeus into cannibalism when I wrote this, but I, is it cannibalism if a god eats a human? Uh, no. Like, is that, it, no, <laughs> we're going to say definitively. That's it. That Draw a line. No, I don't get spoken. Um, <laughs> if, if that god is in human form at the time, <clears throat> then I'd say yes. Okay, interesting. Would he? Wouldn't he have been though? Because Zeus did that. Yeah, a like lot, how did he, he eat? Yeah, if like he, he wasn't like, in. If he yeah, wasn't in he human to, form, he had to become okay. matter at some point, didn't he? So all right, then I'll say yes. Yes, it is. Okay, interesting <laughs> oh, good, good. plot twist. Yeah, I've I, I'm through. glad. We, I'm glad we couldn't sway you from your original. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I've had a chance to consider the unshakable yes, Mark yes. Lewis. <laughs> Great. Well, interestingly, uh, not only is this a mythological cryptid, but it can actually be a psychological diagnosis as well. Clinical lycanthropy is a disorder in which people think they are turning into a werewolf, usually as a result of demonic possession or punishment. This is, of course, exceedingly rare and honestly isn't really thought to be like its own disorder, but related to various other psychological disorders or substance abuse when it occurs. Mm. There's not a ton of research on it because of how seldom we see this manifest. But, oh, go ahead, Mark. Uh, right, I'm dredging the old memory here, but I mean, mm. the, the term lunacy in itself, lunatic, lunar, lunar, that, that's got... Right, mm. it has to do with the, the moon, Moony right? kind of um, mm. etymology, doesn't it? It does, yes. I don't know that that's distinctly, because I think lunacy, no, I'm thinking hysteria. I'm like, hysteria has to do with women, so lunacy, I don't know, is as gendered as it is, but I don't know that it's specifically like werewolf related i think it's just the mm. idea that like the phases of the moon contribute to people's actions so little digression here it, it it's <clears> very <throat> timely that you bring this subject up because firstly it's oh. a full moon okay secondly right, you're a werewolf no i'm not i'm not categorically no i'm not <laughs> explains uh, the beard though it does oh mate you don't want to see <laughs> <laughs> in this state of my body here right now but this uh, has taken a turn that i was not anticipating it always does but yeah. take it, always it does. off take it off resist <laughs> <laughs> the masked fucking podcaster uh, i was out last night with a cousin of mine right okay and his wife and he was talking about how he 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 feels strange whenever it's a full moon. He gets kind of mm, mm-hmm. uh, kind of weird and and fucking twitchy when it's a full moon, often without realizing it's a full moon. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is actually, despite my skepticism over things like this, an observable phenomenon. Um, that so, you know, and in yeah. fact, what his partner said was, um, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? If the moon affects. Tides. Tides, yes, exactly. Right. And we're all and we are mostly liquids, water. Aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just vessels for various liquids. Right. It makes scientific sense. Right. Yeah. The, the it stands to reason. Yes. Scientifically, can, yeah. I can I can pass that. Yeah. And you absolutely. say that actually, but also, sorry, Corey. No, go ahead. Is isn't it isn't it, you, we've both worked in call centers. And isn't it true to say that you know during full moons people are just yes dicks. yes yes just um, dicks 
maybe this is a, a diversion that Kerry and I will go down a little bit later on. But yes, her and I have both done night shifts at the same contact center, at the yeah. same call center, and through the night when it was a full <laughs> moon, it would be fuck. It would be. It would be. Yeah, all bets were off. It was. It was mad shit. You'd get really, really fucking strange people ringing in. Yeah, anecdotally, like people I know who work in medical professions often mm. say this as well. People who work as EMTs, you know, in hospitals and things like that often report that full moons yeah. are fucking chaotic. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know that like, I don't know the depth of research that's been done on this, but it is a thing that I've at least shallow Googled before and that you know it is something that anecdotally people report mm -hmm. pretty heavily and that there's various mm. reasons why from a physics perspective and a physiological perspective mm. it makes school sense kids too primary school that. kids right yeah really? exactly yes mm -hmm. <clears throat> so there you go um i don't think they turn into werewolves though just no. for the record <laughs> um, not, that, not that i'm aware but yeah <laughs> weird calls and mark's body hair aside i think for the most part we can say that uh the werewolf thing is not usually what people report <laughs> when it comes to uh the full moon and things like that um but in the Middle Ages, people were deeply concerned that this and other forms of human-animal combination was happening around them. And this isn't to say that they were worried about being attacked by monsters all the time, but folklore of the day often revolved around people being turned into animals and being unable to resume their human form, like Thackeray Binks and Hocus Pocus. Mm. The early manifestations of the werewolf panic began in the 1400s when, during witch trials, it was asserted that some of these witches were able to transform into wolves and mutilate cattle. This was specifically common in the Valais region of Switzerland, where, upon death, people's land became the property of the local vassal of the king. Like I said... You never really have to look too far to find the ulterior motive at the heart. Yeah, of again, effect. also super timely. There's been a brouhaha this week in the UK about the fucking, air quotes, King Charles. And <laughs> uh, like an ancient, like Dark Ages bylaw, which takes money from unclaimed oh, good inheritances God. and funnels yeah. it straight to the crown. So this if you die intestate... So That's they the can one. take That's they the take one. everything, your property, your your, mm -hmm. your whatever's left. If you don't have family, the king gets it. This guy is like the audacity yeah, of yeah. your king is like yeah. deeply wild. Like I am consistently floored <clears throat> by the shit this guy does. <laughs> Um, so that's a fun one. Nice little thing. Yeah. Now just imagine he was also allowed to like just say people were witches and then take their land. There you go. Um, so the werewolf panic spread from there to places that, for one, had wolves, which was not all of Europe. This is probably why there's pretty much no record of the Brits having taken part in this particular trend. There weren't really any wolves in your landmass at that particular time. So it wasn't part of the lore of the region. I see. France, though, as we've discussed, was absolutely riddled with them, as were various surrounding countries. Burgundy was the next stop for the werewolf trials, a place where paganism and Christianity were coming to blows with one another. And there's nothing Christians love more than claiming the practices of the folks they're trying to gain power over are full of dark evil and demonic magic. As time went on, there came to be sort of a basic formula for werewolfery. 
<laughs> the accused were largely men as opposed to the witches. Um, they wore black. They had some sort of salve that they'd apply to themselves to wolf out. And there'd usually be like, <laughs> yes, wolf bomb. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> and there'd usually be a belt or a skin that they would wear as part of the process that, you know, turned them wolfy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would attend ceremonies held by witches in the dead of night, and then they would proceed to go on violent rampages. And to be clear, it does seem that the crimes at the center of a lot of these trials did happen one way or another. Obviously, they weren't committed by werewolves, and we can't even be sure if they were committed by the people who were accused and who confessed. But there were murders and disappearances and such that did need answering for. Werewolves became a way to explain how people could do horrendous, unfathomable things to others, mm. especially children. For example, in 1573, four children went missing from a town called Dole in France. Though, as far as I can tell, their bodies were never found. An impoverished immigrant named Gilles Garnier, who lived in the forest, was caught by authorities in the town of St. Claude. He was accused not only of turning into a werewolf and mutilating the children, but of having eaten them and fed them to his family. And on a Friday, which made it even worse, because according to the church, you weren't allowed to eat meat on Fridays. Ah, no. <laughs> yep. Can you believe the audacity? Not oh only God. eating children, but on, the on a Friday. During the Sabbath. Fucking Get it together. Werewolves, man. Fucking werewolves. It's Pick so on. petty as to be <laughs> almost comical if it weren't for the fact that they burned this guy at the stake for his crimes, which were pretty unlikely for him to have committed in part because werewolves aren't real, but also because he would have had to have traveled 60 kilometers or 37 miles to do it. And I guess if you're a werewolf, you could potentially run super far and mm. fast. But a poor person living in the woods without, you know, a car <laughs> wasn't going to be able to do that. Did you say that some people confessed <laughs> to being werewolves? Oh, you betcha. Yep. Because yeah. that seems... We'll get there. A bit... We unusual? will get there. <laughs> I, can imagine, I can imagine that, though. Like, mm -hmm. Aside from mental illness, maybe there's a kudos to being a possibly you know, a werewolf. Yeah, good show. Get, get the oh, women sure. in, isn't it? Mm. You know? <laughs> maybe. Animalistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one of the things that they talk about with like why this is werewolves are associated with men and and witches with women. Like werewolves mm. are a very like primal aggressive masculine type yep. of beast you know mm. um <clears throat> so there is something to that but we will get to confessions um but even at the time medical experts were at least somewhat skeptical of the whole werewolf thing for one the church said that no one could transform people but god or the devil so if this was happening it had to be at the direct behest of one of those guys for two they attributed people thinking they were were werewolves to what they called melancholia. Essentially, depression so hardcore, it manifests as delusions. So just to give the people of the 16th century their due, not everyone was like, yeah, this totally checks out. There are absolutely literal werewolves that are going around tearing people to shreds because that's the thing that happens. Mm. Plenty of people were like, hey, there has to be a rational explanation for all of this. 
The problem was, in the case of confessed werewolves, that the rational explanation probably wasn't actually melancholia or any other sort of mental illness, but just regular old run-of-the-mill duress. Many historians postulate that some of the people who confessed didn't have the mental capacity to know what they were confessing to, as developmentally disabled people have always been a target when people need someone to blame for society's ills. So there's a solid chance that many of the people who took the heat for being violent werewolves had no clue what they were confessing to or why, which made them perfect scapegoats. You can execute the weird disabled person, and now we can all go back to normal life and not worry about the bad stuff happening anymore. Mm. Mission accomplished. Mm. Some modern experts theorize that there were indeed people who appeared like werewolves and maybe even thought they were werewolves. Some would have suffered from a condition called porphyria, which is characterized by light sensitivity, reddish teeth, and psychosis. Some scholars think that people with hypertrichosis might have been at the mm-hmm. center of the hysteria, <laughs> singled out simply because they grew excessive body hair. Hairy boys. Hairy boys. Hirsute gentlemen. Yes, yes. <laughs> and... Are you feeling targeted now, Mark? <laughs> Not at all. Like I, I'm being seen. I'm being acknowledged. <laughs> Hairy boys. <laughs> And others think that people might have just been straight up high, drinking strange brews, eating shrooms, and what have you. But again, this all assumes people actually thought they were werewolves. Rather than what's most likely, they succumbed to torture and confessed to try to end their suffering. Yeah. And there's one alleged werewolf in particular for whom the torture only got worse once he confessed to the crimes. It was October 31st, 1859 in Bedburg, Germany, when Peter Stump faced execution for his alleged crimes. And I will Stump, but I will also point out that his his last name appears as like various different things. (laughs) Um, So this is kind of the one that people tend to write about him as, but uh, various Germany sounding last names (laughs) are attributed to him. Um. According to his confession, he had made a pact with the devil specifically for the ability to turn into a werewolf. Why? Well, I guess so he could commit some truly heinous crimes. He killed 16 people, 13 of whom were children, and one of which was his own son. He said that he'd had sex with his daughter and that he'd also had sex with a succubus. He also killed livestock and engaged in cannibalism. Again, according to his confession, which is sus. I see. Because as one pamphlet from the time put it, thus being apprehended, he was shortly after put to the rack. But fearing the torture, he voluntarily confessed his whole life. To bring it back to, you know, our bestiality panic episode, we know what happens when Mm -hmm. you you do that. Uh, Confessing might temporarily stop the torture, but that doesn't mean you're off the hook. So Stump's confession caused, as you can imagine, quite a sensation in the region. And people came from far and wide to witness his execution. My friends, it was a doozy. William Wallace would get the chills. As the 1590 telling by one George Boers went, his body laid on a wheel and with red hot burning pincers in 10 several places to have the flesh pulled off from the bones, 
Mm. After that, his legs and arms to be broken with a wooden axe or hatchet. Afterward, to have his head struck from his body, then to have his carcass burned to ashes. So to bring that up to clear 21st century English, they yep. peeled his skin off with hot pokers, broke his bones with a hatchet, and decapitated him before burning his corpse. And his head was later dipped in tar and put on a pike, allegedly as a warning to others who dare dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> seems, seems thorough. Yes. Yeah, they really you covered can't, all you can't their bases. Fuck around. There. There's no coming <laughs> back from that shit, is there? That's, no. like, that's done. No, if he does, that's a whole new problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is, of course, possible that Stump was, in fact, a serial killer, albeit one of human form. But again, there were a number of conflicts going on at the time. For example, the whole ordeal happened while the country was in the midst of the Cologne Wars. A dust-up between Catholics and Protestants, which saw mercenaries roaming the area and committing atrocities against people they encountered. It's always the fucking Catholics and Protestants. Mm. It's possible that Stump was being scapegoated for murders by religious zealots. People also told obviously ridiculous stories about him. Like that one farmer had caught, cut off the paw of an attacking wolf, and when next he saw Stump... He, too, was missing his hand. In other tellings, townspeople actually see him change from his werewolf form to his human form as he flees from a pursuing patrol. The region was caught up in the folklore and had made themselves terrified of werewolves. And it's quite possible that he just became the target they tossed all their fears onto. Yeah. And by executing him, they were able to quell the anxiety that had come to characterize their existence as a result. It's also possible that because Stump was Protestant and Bedberg had come under Catholic rule, he was executed simply as a message to Protestants who were considering rebellion. We can't really know for sure. We can't even know for sure exactly how many people were killed in total in the werewolf trials. Numbers at the time said it was in the tens of thousands. But Just it's in likely. Uh, no, like all over Europe. Across Europe. Okay, okay, okay. It's likely that's exaggerated, though. They were basically talking a big game. Like, I've killed so many werewolves, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically what's now estimated is that werewolf executions were actually in like the two to three hundred range. OK. Whatever the case, by the 1600s, the werewolf panic fell out of popularity, replaced by a renewed fervor for witchcraft ones, which would be bad news largely for women all over the world for centuries. Wow. <laughs> Again? <Ow. laughs> uh, listen, how many times have I said what I enjoy, one of the things I enjoy most about, about Joag is, is learning. Learning is fun. Mm, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I had no idea, you might be shocked or not to learn, that I had no clue that the werewolf trials were a thing. Um, and now I do. I, and I think I you're better for it. Podcast, I listen to the podcast regularly. Um, yeah. Mark, you you and I have very similar upbringing, similar experiences. We went through the same yes. education system. Yes, yes, we did. Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> did you, did you, it's like sometimes I sit there and I say out loud, like, how the fuck don't you know that? Like, that's, 
that's a that's a thing that happened. How do what? you not know it? Well, and, like, and it was no, Peter no Stump on the fucking werewolf trial. All oh, right, no Stump, no Stump. Obviously, <laughs> Stump is like I learned oh, about Stump, and I feel like a better person for learning about that. But like, <laughs> yeah. know, it's like I can't remember what it was a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, this is like British history. Like, how do you not? No, I, I no, know. No judgment. I'm just. I get it. Right. I get it. I get. I get it. I've 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 spent like most of my adult life just filling my head full of just ephemera just nonsense of of Stuff no practical we talk about use. on this podcast essentially exactly, which is amazing exactly, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. uh so yeah d- d- i think some of the, that out exactly it's, it's like the homer it's... simpson thing then yeah one yeah. New, <laughs> one new fact goes exactly. in and, and one, one of these days I'll, I'll forget to breathe let me quote directly from my notes if i may yes please do Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Oh, fucking hell. Right, so welcome, friends, once again. It's, uh, you know, it's that time, it's Joe Wag time, and continuing our tradition of, uh, you know what they say, if you're the smartest person on the podcast, you're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> that is that is the old adage, yeah. <laughs> they do say that. So in the interest of self-betterment, uh, mm. this week on Jack of All Graves, I am delighted, and I, I don't use the word lightly, I'm fucking delighted, because in the three uh, years and change that we've been going, um, I've wanted to get this week's guest on pretty much ever since the, that first episode. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce uh, my countryman, friend, <laughs> and fellow fucking, you know, example of, of fucking Welshitude, uh, <laughs> Dr. Kerry Thomas. Woo-hoo. Say hello. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good to have you on board. Um, I, 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 in terms of context, I think it probably bears sketching out just how similar our, our upbringings were, Kerry, yes? Because mm-hmm. you grew up in Bryn Mawr, I believe, yes? Blina, mate. Blina, right, 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 right. Yes. Short, was... short in the body and thick in the head, <laughs> as I That's was once one. told. Uh, <laughs> I think my version of that is, yeah, Blina born, Blina bred, strong in the arm, slow in the head. That's, oh, well, that's, that's also that's true. My version of that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, we grew up, what? 10 miles from one another maybe a bit less yeah so yeah exactly the same experiences in school exactly the same experiences in just that that council estate life yeah it's the only life i know etc um yeah and really oddly like mark and i obviously went to the same university didn't know each other prior to coming to university kind of skirted along the same social groups but not quite meeting and then a few years later I moved back to South Wales where Mark already was and um, we randomly extremely randomly started following each other on Twitter we did it's how all great relationships start it's a lot to answer for yes Mm -hmm. yeah Um, but but I still didn't know who Mark was I just thought he was just a very funny person on on Twitter and then we happened to catch the same bus and um and i, I don't know whether one or the other of us had talked about the experience of catching this bus and we both suddenly realized 
holy shit. Holy shit, we're literally we are in actually... turn around. <laughs> yeah, like, are they there? What? Um, yeah, yeah, and so it was super, super no random. Way. It was like, it's like sliding doors. Seriously. You know, I'm clearly more attractive than Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Obviously. Right, right. <laughs> Less I mean, stuff in your vagina, Frank? I assume. Yes. <laughs> you assume wrongly, Corey. Was... <laughs> knowing what your fanny spells like. <laughs> like dreams, my friends. Like dreams. <laughs> That's amazing. Right. I had no idea that was your origin mm. story. Yeah, it is. And I and then I became the supervillain that we all know today. And Beautiful. Mark continues to fight the good fight yep. for the forces of darkness. Yes. So that's <laughs> a little potted context uh, mm-hmm. about about Carrie and I. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love this. Yes. And Carrie, you're a doctor. I am a doctor of English um, from um, doctor of philosophy. I don't know why I did that. But yeah, doctor <laughs> of philosophy, because it's not real. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly, yeah. It's like the, the werewolf trials. Did it really happen? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember something, but um, yeah. So I, my my doctorate is in the digitization of medieval manuscripts, specifically nice. um, one particular manuscript that I studied was the Hengert Chaucer, which is the oldest extant version of Geoffrey Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales. Damn. Dates from 1400, and it is in residence at the National Library of Wales. I'm pointing because it's like up the hill from where I am right now. <laughs> just over here. Just there. Just there. They go visit um, it sometimes. Yeah, they don't let anybody in to see that shit. They're like, <laughs> Are they not? Mm, no, fuck that. Did you get to it's see like, it while you were like working on it? Or I, I just saw like it wave from at a, it from a distance. distance. Yeah, from wow. a distance. Um, it's one of the jewels of the library's collection. So it's, um, yeah, so it's their, it's one of their great treasures. Um, so I did my research on that. And then over the years, over the intervening years, it's kind of, kind of segued from that into looking at digitization more specifically in terms of what it does to the physical body of the medieval manuscript mm. and how potentially digitization could fulfill the medieval concept of bodily resurrection. Oh, very nice. <laughs> right, right. Excellent. Yeah, so there's this idea that physicality as we know it, like the material body, it's, you know, it's changing. It's have we have to change our concept of it in in the society that we live in, um, and and by doing that, then we can look at things like, um, and I think this is a pet theory of Marx as well. Your the idea that when you die, you could be yeah. resurrected in the digital yeah. domain. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not and <clears throat> not necessarily just your consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the body itself. So that's kind of what my research is on. Um, yeah, not widely published. I'm not going to sure. lie to you, Corey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but who is? There's like 10 people who are widely published. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're pricks. All right. Of them. Yeah. They're all and we pricks. hate them. Yeah, yeah, they're fucking bastards. But yeah, so, um, <laughs> but I have, uh, <laughs> but I have, um, I've got a blog and I, and I write to that and I have been published in, in, um, an edited collection in the states and that was on um 
yeah, uh, medieval manuscripts and their digitization. I was described once as sound. I went to Leeds for a conference and afterwards they told me that I sounded like a Welsh Methodist preacher because I was stood at the pulpit, you know, like talking about <laughs> the, the body of Christ and all of that. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's good. It's good shit and it's interesting, you know, and yeah. it's something, re- and I think as we engage with technology more, and we're all kind of tech heads to one degree or another, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, we're into it or not. Um, and I think we, we yeah, we're going to have to really, really start thinking about where we're going to go and what we're, what we're going to do when we get there. <laughs> oh so. boy, you're firmly in our wheelhouse here. I'm <laughs> good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Right. Broad question, right? Big swing here. Dr. Thomas. Okay. Oh, fuck. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> is a so to use the uh lieutenant barclay's transporter fucking conundrum right right yes if i go through the transporter and i'm killed and a perfect copy of me exists on the other end is that me it triggers broom in it exactly yes yeah, very so ship specific yes well, oh, as some learned people would say, but obviously I would make an Only Fools and Horses reference, um, which is uniquely UK based. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about this shit, you know. Um, I think, I don't think as we go through life, we're not the same person, are we? Spiritually, mm-hmm. physically, you know, we we're losing skin. Yeah. <laughs> day by day our limbs change as we get older we're not the same person at the end that we were at the start so mm-hmm. by that rationale you know no we're not we're going to be different but does different necessarily mean bad no mm. <laughs> interesting this is uh, this is one of those things that mark does bring this kind of question up fairly regularly and then my brain just sort of short circuits trying to think about it where <laughs> i generally kind of land on I don't think that that's the same person on the other end but it does no. end up leading to a whole bunch of questions about it does. consciousness if, if, and your physical yeah, body yeah. and you know yeah. what makes you who you are if, if that like person that. on the other end doesn't know you. right then yeah that, what's the morality me? around that exactly <laughs> uh, and also Barclay's fear of it like he has this really fucking strong innate fear and he doesn't know where that fear is coming from and everybody's scorning him for it but he's like um, I feel know, like he's... this should be explained for our listeners <laughs> well, it's a, yeah yeah Star Trek reference so <laughs> yeah Mark. what we've done is we've uh it, it is it's a Star Trek reference just like we've made plenty of times on this show before which I but, guess to um, be fair probably a lot of our listeners are nerds who yes. watch Star Trek but just in case <laughs> Uh, so everybody knows about the transporters in Star Trek yes beam me up Scotty blah 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 um this episode in particular I can't remember what it was called but it 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 started to raise fucking meaty philosophical questions about a piece of sci-fi uh you know about about, about a sci-fi gimmick which is one of the things I love so much about Next Generation it did all that mm-hmm. it was brilliant um but yeah it, it I think I think that episode is probably one of the reasons why I think about this topic as much as I do. If 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 I could be dismantled and reconstituted somewhere else, am I dead? Is that me? Right. You know. <clears throat> and right. also, I mean the the uh, the kind of progress that I made a couple of years back in because for the first couple of months of us recording this, I I didn't really I was kind of at adrift, didn't really kind of I I I'd, I'd I had a lot of trouble finding meaning in anything, right? 
mm-hmm. and if the very fact that our fucking physical bodies are so fleeting and finite and that life is a fucking blink of an eye mm-hmm. does this idea that we can somehow extend the blink of an eye in which we have to exist does that invalidate the fucking contract that we have with the universe the fucking unspoken contract that we have with the physical world that it is ours to be born and die and that is it does us seeking and yearning to fucking you know trans fucking plant our consciousness into something with a little more permanency does that is that a fucking massive fuck you to nature is that an (laughs) attempt is that man's hubris I think that but you're thinking I'm going to take a punt at it. I think in, you're thinking in terms of our very traditional ideas of what materiality is, you know, and what mm. humanity is. And, you know, by those narrow definitions and maybe yeah, we are kind of, you know, get a, invoking a get out of jail clause in our contract with the universe, you know, cuz like <laughs> fuck you, I've scored a few, you know, a few extra exactly. decades or yeah. um but but that's because we because we think of life as being this. Yeah. But what if life isn't this? Hmm. What if what if what if physicality, what if materiality isn't hands and skin and tactility? Yes. yes. Or, or or it is, but it's different. The tactility is different. It's um haptic technology. It's, <laughs> you know, looking at the you know, we talk about when we when we look at the physicality of manuscripts, we talk about the way that they are created. You know, they they mm. are from flesh and they are ink made from oak and, you know, and they're natural. But when we talk about digital manuscripts, very often we don't apply the same rationale, but there's still physicality to a medi- uh, to a digital manuscript. It's just physical in a different way. It's chips. Yeah, I see and what you're saying. Yeah. It's chips and gold and, you know, metal. And it's interesting that I read an article fucking a few years ago, blew my fucking brains out because it was about the place where they pull the materials for building laptops and mobile phones. And, oh, and they yeah. are hellscapes. Mm-hmm. They are toxic chemical yeah. hellscapes. And I remember yeah. thinking, if I'm arguing that we can put our consciousness into the computer and it's a kind of afterlife, is that is that hell? Mm. This is where we're pulling that stuff from. That's such an interesting question because what this brought to mind for me was, of course, just in your discussion of this, this idea like religion has been grappling with this question Mm. forever, right? Like this is why we come up with the idea of afterlife and the mythology around that and everything is this like when you pass through materiality and and even temporality and things like that, like then what? Is there something... Mm outside of the physical me that exists and and, and working in this kind of um, area that you do with looking at, you know, resurrection via uh, digital texts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, is there, I'm curious, is there some way in which that's akin to sort of a grasp at the religious, you know, a grasp at trying to find the soul and place it in uh, some other form of, um, you know, of materiality, vessel. of some other vessel, yeah. you know, something like that, of, of creating an afterlife for ourselves that maybe, yeah. you know, makes us feel like there is something more than our corporeal forms. 
I, th I think so. I mean, that's what medieval scribes were doing when they created a medieval manuscript. You know, it was, it, they did it, it was a repetitive motion. It was something that they did to create a relationship with the divine, you know, mm. so it was almost like um, a kind of meditative state that they would go into. I mean, I'm dramatizing it a bit, but you know, when you, you know yourself, when you sit there and you do the same thing <laughs> over and over again, you kind of, like, you kind of zone out. Yeah. And, you know, for medieval scribes, they kind of thought that was opening up that conduit. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not religious. I brought up in a Welsh Methodist family, went to Sunday school every Sunday, could probably sing a little bit of sing Hosanna if I absolutely <laughs> needed to, usually yeah. at funerals when I'm drunk. Yeah. Um, but, Jet planes but meeting from, in the air to be refilled. You, that's that's <laughs> autumn days and that still stands. I that saw one earlier. Meeting in the air to be refilled. All those things I just love thought, so well, you know. But you mustn't forget. No, you mustn't forget. To say a great um, big thank you. <laughs> We've gone over there. Um, I'm not religious. Let's move on quickly. I'm not. Right. I'm not religious, but I'm really fascinated oh. by um, what happens when we die. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I and oh. although I think of you know I you know I'm fucking I'm I'm a normal human being. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in an interventionist God, as Nick Cave put it, um, but. I do believe that we don't know what the fuck is going on out there. And our brains right. are so small in comparison to what they can actually do. Um, I, I think there's potential for any crazy shit that we can think of at the moment. I saw something with Elon Musk. I don't want to fucking say his name because he's a cunt. Invoke him, yeah. But, <laughs> invoke him. but he said something about AI. And it was interesting that the language he used, he said, oh, if you, this was years ago. He said, oh, you know, if you're utilizing AI, then you're basically merging with the devil. That's how he referred to it. You know, huh. he's invoking that really religious Interesting. Um, yeah. symbolism. Fast forward to much more present day. And he's like, no, no, we've got to integrate with it. We've got to become one with it. So yeah. he's like, he's invoking like the fucking Trinity, the Holy Trinity yeah, now. Yeah, he's yeah, gone yeah, from yeah. going to the Satan, ah, you know, torches. And now he's like, yeah, no, it's religious. It's there's this use of religious iconography and language, I think. Then I I wonder why that is actually, mm. as I'm thinking about it. Is that a way of um I don't know, pulling people into the idea of it? And I think, you know, also, again, this is fascinating what you bring up here, like the the sort of Mark has talked about um, kind of the the NPCing of people, you know, and this idea, mm -hmm. like basically what Elon Musk has <clears throat> more and more done as kind of become to uh, construct the world through a sort of digital cyber lens at this point right. in yeah. which you know, the AI being part of that and that like some people are like the real, you know, you're Neo, you're whatever. And some people are simply there like bobbing along as non-player mm. characters who, yeah. you know, Woman are just in a red dress. Mm. Right. Yeah. It's just part of this big <laughs> machine, essentially. Mm. So, you know, aside from the fact that obviously he wants to sell people stuff and he wants to make money, obviously, mm. I think it's interesting to see in the ways in which like his thinking in general also has come to be more of a, like, you know, humans are intrinsically part of some sort of digital world. Um, yeah. I, yeah can't, I, I, I can't imagine you know, Christianity as we know it 
being cool with, you know, fucking Eve is made from Alan, Alan's rib and, you know, you've got this fucking set time to live and la la la. I can't, I can't imagine a, a priest being cool with the idea that we can live on and artificially mm. extend our presence in the world. I um I gave a paper at, at last year or the year before, and this and it was about um if you're a Welsh speaker you'll under, you'll know the um word caneven, um meaning kind of like home and this kind of this concept of feeling at home. It's like hiraith, yeah, mm-hmm. that kind yep, of feeling yep, yep. of missing something and you and you know it's intangible and you don't know what it is. And I gave a paper on a digital in a digital home mm. and how that had to be inclusive for everybody you know and there was like the religious elements incorporated into that um and this guy he stood up at the end and he said to me I'm a white man and I'm catholic and you have offended me on so many levels he uh. said, I, I I feel like I'm being penalized for the crime of being white oh, beautiful <laughs> nice job I was fucking it was wait like, oh, you came up like <laughs> Uh, um, so a thing about a Welsh concept and a white man was offended yeah, about your yeah. attack on whiteness because he That's couldn't incredible. understand. He couldn't understand the argument, which you know, which is increasing in Wales that the that this the idea of Welsh identity and, and home and Welsh religion is predominantly white. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, there is a in there's a big black and minority ethnic community in Wales, and that they're not mm-hmm. represented. And mm-hmm. yeah, he hated it. He fucking hated it, and he hated the bit about um, digitization as resurrection. He was mm. personally offended, um, and I apologized for offending him, and asked him to seek me out after the paper so that we could discuss it in more detail. Because I would be really pleased to hear his further comments on it. He fucking hid from me, Corey. He hid. <laughs> You know, of course he did. Everyone's really bold when they're standing up in the the audience at a conference, but no one wants to dress you. The fucking sandwiches afterwards, wasn't it? I would have loved to have heard, you know, (laughs) further insight onto what was so disturbing about that. But you know, yeah, religion is always in a weird place with stuff like that, isn't it? I mean, this spot where obviously, over you know the past century medicine has come to a point where we uh we can prolong life to degrees that we certainly couldn't fathom you know we went from being like oh we can kind of like treat you for stuff but we can't cure it to like Mm -hmm. we can prevent things that's cool we can you know pasteurize your milk we can give you a vaccine we present it we're still not sure how to cure it to now we can cure so many things and we've extended life and religion has had like a weird relationship with that that Mm. whole time of kind of like is this are we playing god with this and a lot of that manifests in conversations about like abortion and stuff like that obviously Mm -hmm. um but like the idea of like prolonging life is such a complicated one because on the one hand you know it's this yeah you're (laughs) you are playing god if our life is given to us with a certain you know uh length that you know that mm. our days are numbered by god you know we're knit yeah. together you know in our mother's that's womb with a distinct plan and then we're going years and 10 i think that's we're going and we're and we're fixing the cancers that we're supposed to have and stuff like that um so i don't know when it comes to like this idea of you know ai and digitization and the extension mm. of of life in some way it's i feel like that's one thing that I haven't heard a lot of the church really engaging with when it no. comes down to it. Uh, I think no, that's a really hard thing to tackle. 
And I, I remember listening to this a couple in your pod a couple of weeks ago and thinking, I wonder whether that's why, because there is a kind of increasing interest in grappling with this idea of our consciousness going online. And I wonder whether that is because societally we've moved so far away from being religious. Yeah. You know, the vast majority mm -hmm. of us wouldn't describe ourselves as being religious. We might spiritual, agnostic, sure. you know, whatever. But we there, as far as most of us are concerned, there is no heaven. Nope. Right. So why don't we just, just make, make one? one? Yes, <laughs> Right. Which, to be fair, I think is probably more of a thing in your neck of the woods than it is here. I think people are still, you know, fairly religious in America <laughs> comparatively. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, gathered. Yeah. This um, podcast is not representative of that. But I think you, <clears throat> sorry, I think you are onto something in that, like, even in that, way religiosity and like sort of yeah. strict and literal adherence to religion is on the wane in many ways so but but you'd think that certain religious communities you know they'd be all fret they didn't you know fucking transubstantiation man if you right, think you're yeah. ingesting the body and blood of christ you know what yeah. right that's it's surely it's another short step from that kind of i'm fucking offending so many people um <laughs> not anyone listening to this podcast no. i don't think Okay. I think if Good. that were Good. an issue, they would have jumped ship a long time ago. Cool. Um, yeah, but you know, if you can, if you can commit to the idea of you ingesting the body and blood of Christ, surely you can commit to the idea of your materiality going into the digital domain. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's see how that goes. Let's see how that plays out. Nice. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I've just realised I've got my number one dad mug. <laughs> Yeah, it's the biggest <laughs> mug I've got. I don't have a Sports Direct mug. So oh, we've got one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I use it to bath the kids in. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think the, the, for this pod, I think we were talking, Mark wanted, I loved his description. A couple, he was like, we're going to talk about like arcane, esoteric shit. And I was like, you have, I just, I don't even know what that is in terms of medieval <laughs> manuscripts. Um, but well, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Mark. No, please. Uh, oh, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do outright was like define what we're talking about in the first place. We've already I love that this is just so perfectly Joe Ag that we've already spiraled into a deep conversation oh, about right out there. your yep. work, yep. which is beautiful. Mm. Fuck what movies we watched and things like that. Let's just dive in. This is great. Oh shit. Yeah, no, but what movies have you watched? It's been a slow week. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, people can wait to hear my thoughts on Good Burger too. But, <laughs> um, like, let's define what we're talking about here. I know that, like, certainly, I don't want to say I didn't learn anything about, you know, what medieval times were, aside from a restaurant where you eat chicken legs with your hands, um, you know, things like that when I was in high school. We probably learned a little bit, but not so much that I have, like, any real knowledge of what that's about. Um what? Yeah, go for ahead. My, for my benefit, right? I, I I have no concept of what the various ages are, right? <laughs> I just I simply don't know. What what are the dark ages? When were they? <laughs> I mean, 
not letting go of those dark ages, huh? It's not, Certainly not. not he's until so, I know. He's so wedded to the idea of them. I mean, the I dark just... ages is just a concept, isn't it? It's it, it, in uh. essence, it, it's just saying <laughs> we have very little material evidence from this particular period, and that's because mm. of the way certain ah, sources right, were right, 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 right. kept. You know, so you know they just don't have records. So, and actually, ah. what the what they're going, what they're talking about now is that we are. You will love this. This is your time to shine because we are potentially moving into a digital dark age, Mark. Because okay. so much of our stuff is online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, potentially as <clears throat> technology moves on, we're going to lose all that. There's no mm-hmm. paper backup for that. Look at the British Library. Have you heard about this in the news recently? The British Library have it, have just suffered an enormous cyber attack, which has Ooh. taken the whole oh, website yeah, yeah, offline and associated. Um, anything to you know if you're a um a law student you want to access a legal library if your if your legal library is with the british library <laughs> fuck that shit you're not getting anywhere near it it's gone they've decided they're not going to pay the ransom <clears throat> wow so now they are apparently allegedly according to twitter as it will always be mm. um they're building up from scratch they they're rebuilding I'm, so, cur- I'm like currently reading the Susan Orlean book, the the library book. Have you read that? No, that no, is about like the the L.A. public library, Los Angeles public library mm-hmm. uh, was burned horrendously by an arsonist in the 80s and just had so many like things that like there's like literally, you know, obviously it's before digitization of everything mm-hmm. and all that kind of so many stuff that so many things that were just irreplaceable um in there so like just even like they had like the largest collection of scholarship on rubber in there you know like just random kind of things like that that just absolutely gone from this arson attack and you bringing this to mind as i'm reading this is like a thing that i hadn't i mean to a degree i'm kind of aware of the other day i went through and i like paid for one of those services that deletes all your back tweets because mm-hmm. I haven't deleted my Twitter so that people can find me elsewhere, but I didn't want my tweets on there. But mm-hmm. it's like this or, you know, when you're searching Google and finding that like results are increasingly not way back machined and things like yeah. that, like things just disappearing completely uh, mm-hmm. and having no records of things like you don't even have to burn it. Someone <laughs> coming in and attacking a library or you deleting your own tweets or yeah. uh, just the Google AI deciding that's not important anymore. And, the mm-hmm. you know, I wrote for a website for several years and the Wayback Machine didn't capture the uh, stuff that like captured a few pages of it, but not oh, everything. No. And when they stopped paying for that domain and everything, all yeah, gone, gone. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a ooh, a fascinating and scary concept to think of like yeah yeah digital yeah. dark age that way yeah so that's you know, the, essentially mark what the dark age is Word. got you mm. see this is a a, a misconception that i've labored under my entire mm. life it, it wasn't dark what? ages because that's... anything in particular <laughs> nasty was going on like dark yeah. in terms of content just dark because no. we don't know what the fuck was going on because none of it yeah. is around anymore fine yeah fine thank you you're okay with that, love you? that. <clears throat> okay. yeah no I've, I'm, now I've i'm glad you it. asked mark Thank you. Good. <laughs> no, I mean, like, a cursory Google would have sorted you right out, wouldn't it? <laughs> where's the fun in that? Where's the, where's, yeah. you know, you don't learn. It's way more Google. fun you to have someone explain it to us. Discussion and, you know, a, a learned uh, countryman like yourself. But mm, right, okay. <clears throat> domestically, this discussion is happening in, in real time, but in, in kind of micro, kind of cosmic kind of ways. Earlier on today, uh, 
we put the Christmas tree up, right? And not grossly early, but fine. Mate, it, it was <laughs> nothing to do with me. Um, yeah, yeah. And we had a, a bit of a, a clear out, right? The annual fucking clear out. And Laura is obsessive about hanging on to CDs, right? <laughs> and I she will too. fucking <laughs> not. She will not just use Apple fucking music in the car. She won't do it. Just it, she's got to play a music. Disappears. On CD. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and more and more, we're seeing that. Like the things, mm-hmm. even stuff that you've purchased yeah. on your Apple Music or your uh, movies on Amazon or yeah. things like that, suddenly they're gone. You have no access to them anymore. Like I'm going back to hard everything now. Mm-hmm. If I we like are, something, we, I buy it. We are approaching a time mark where we, <clears throat> where your daily affirmation diary might be our only historical source. Of what's happening yes. in the world, the, yeah. the 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 manifestations that you write down to will into being on a <laughs> daily basis might be what we think life was like. I get it. Twenty twenty three in Oxford. If they, you know, if if there is fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred years ahead of us, a future where death is not the end, mm. who then becomes the custodian of you mm. as a as a as a the watchman? Green? <laughs> as a as a fucking you know mortal being of flesh and blood i can i have agency i can decide mm. for myself but if i'm to carry on living in a machine state a digital state on inanimate kind of silicon and plastic and fucking metal and gold and lithium someone has to take care of that Don't yeah I? is it going to be like when you have a tortoise you know, when you have a tortoise, you have to put it in your will, don't you? Because they live so long. You, if you die and the tortoise survives, you have to. It's like or a parrot, <laughs> or right, exactly, yeah. like a parrot. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming, would it? I mean, the you're right. Yeah, you have because to in will sense, your consciousness to somebody. Yeah, you know, in Facebook, when you die, you you can leave. Yeah. You can leave that information to someone so they can access it and Mm -hmm. set up a memorialization or whatever. But then, you know, five or six generations down the line, that personal connection to the to to your data to who's to say one day, Mark, somebody might not come along or or Corey, you know, and just fucking wipe you out. We need that space of data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's also part of upload, right? If you guys watched that, like, you know, you have to pay a certain amount to be in your particular heaven or whatever be uploaded to that particular heaven if you don't have enough money for that you get put into this place you know as like Mm. basically to keep your storage down where you have limited amount of bandwidth that Mm. you can use uh like like that yeah basically you know so yeah that is absolutely a scary thought Mm. uh (laughs) we've 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 digressed a little bit from our we have no we have explanation of what we're talking it it calls to mind Mm. Uh, that kind of meme, that kind of live, laugh, love s kind of meme that that says, "Hey, a person dies twice, you know, once when they die, and then again when people forget about them." Yeah, like Coco. Uh, yes, very much so, very much so, like Coco and oh, Stopics Are Right. Just mention Coco. <laughs> and that movie stresses me out. Along with the crying, mm. it stresses me out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe what we're doing here is adding that third fucking death. Mm. One, when your physical when fucking form gives up. Secondly, when all of your relatives have, have fucking stopped saying your name and you're forgotten. Third, Oof. when your silicon stops being, you know, administered. Switched to overload. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm. The third death, the digital death. 
That's the era we're moving into. <sighs> Bruh. Hey, and that's what we've kind of talked about this podcast, like being our, you know, our our legacy, our our thing mm. that people look living to document, in the future yes. or whatever. So, you know, it's really we're working funny, on avoiding digital death. Yeah, because earlier as I was kind of getting ready to do this, I remember I was make, going to make my cuppa and I thought, fuck, when I'm dead, this would be like for my daughter, this mm. would be a thing where she could hear my voice again. Right. Yes. Yes, you know? exactly. I mean, uh, probably by that time, God, my mother was just foul. like, <laughs> she'll be able to just like foul. conjure up like a 3D model of you in the kitchen or whatever and act yeah. like you're still there by that point. But, you know, it's like that guy who uploaded his dad into a chatbot, isn't it? Right. That Harvard fucking dude who who converted like he got his dad to kind of record his life story on tape over months and months mm. and months towards the end of his life and has digitized it all and used it to train a chatbot. So <laughs> whenever he feels like it, he can have a kind of an informal conversation with his dad, his dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, know I just did I like the kind that. of eight quotes there for those who were listening Love and we that. didn't see that. I think it was in your voice. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, there are, there are academics who are having a kind of an early stab at, 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 at stuff like this. So. I yeah. Because hope... it's, it is a, it's a forever question, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Something we've been trying to, deal with for ages and you know these are just weird ethical implications <laughs> to think yeah. about as well so I now, a... I now know what the dark ages are sorry Kelly, go ahead that's okay i was just gonna go off again um there was, a, there was a case during covid where um this class of students were being lectured by an elderly professor and they reached out to him to ask him a question on some course material to find out he was fucking dead. Oh. He'd been dead for two years, but they'd, oh recorded, my God. they'd recorded his lectures and they were oh still playing them as God. if he were alive. And the first time wow. they knew that he was dead was when they had a question about some course material and they emailed him and they were like, no man, he's like super dead. That's he's wild. Gone. Yeah. Cool. And the, how that must, how would that land? You know, mm-hmm. you're engaging right. with somebody online. You're like, oh wow, that yeah. he's he's fucking worm food. Like he's yeah. <laughs> seriously. So, mm, yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I've massively taken you off on a tangent. We no, it's talk great. But again, love it so much. And not to want to kind of divert on a diversion, but I'm I'm playing a I'm playing a Robocop video game at the minute, right? <laughs> of course you are. Of course yes. you are. Uh, and uh, it's it's one of the things I love so much about that movie that it it asks those questions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, what is it to be human? Again, triggers broom, ship of Theseus. If ninety percent, ninety eight percent of my body is fucking plastic and metal, am I am I me anymore? Yeah. yeah. Oh, heavy shit. Um. So when uh, so we've got our monks opening up that channel to God and and writing their manuscripts. How to uh, you use your Chaucer as an example, right? physically because mm-hmm. right now you pick up a book and it's all just paper and ink paper and ink what physically is a manuscript like that comprised of how do you make one of those oh well i'm glad you ask i'm glad you ask because um i think most manuscripts when we look at them like through modern eyes they yeah they aren't particularly you know, we're we're talking about arcane esoteric stuff. They're not particularly shit scary to us because we are <laughs> we have modern sensibilities and we're used to, you know, scary stuff. Mm. You guys far scarier than I. I have zero tolerance for horror, <laughs> none whatsoever. And I put that down to an eighties upbringing of being <laughs> like made force fed, just awful yeah. video 
nasties by my uncle. Very grim. That, you know. Anyway, moving mm. on from that benign child abuse. Um, <laughs> and I think if Mark were ever, like, particularly Mark, if he were ever to think about this shit at all, I suppose you think of manuscripts as being a bit like the Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Ideally, with like a face on the fucking cover that's going to kind yeah. of like you know move, or and then yeah. you're going to look inside and it's going to be like all this arcane symbolism and shit. And some of them are like that, but most of them aren't. Okay. Okay. But medieval manuscripts, generally, broadly, they're really fucking horrible. Like their okay. creation, their creation, mm-hmm. the conservation process, what happens to them is fucking metal as fuck. So. Amazing. Most medieval manuscripts are made from vellum, yeah, or parchment. Mm-hmm. So you're basically just, that's just animal skin. You're not going to mm-hmm. see paper uh, until around about 1450. So we can fuck that off straight away. There's no, there's no paper. There's just parchment <laughs> or vellum. Um, picture now your wee animal gambling. Gambling, right? What are we talking meadow, about? Cow, sheep? Sheep, goat. Right. Gambling through sunlit uplands. Yeah. yeah. Fucking wind in its face and all of this. <laughs> and then somebody's coming along and they're just going to slaughter them. And they're slaughtering them for the purposes of their them being made into a medieval manuscript. So they're going to have their pelt removed. And the pelt is going to be soaked in lime to get rid of all that fucking lovely little baby fur that's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to stretch it out on a rack. Mm. And then they are going to scrape it to fucking back with a curved blade. That's a technical term to fucking back, by the way. Piss, um, piss involved. Technical, is piss involved. I mean, do you want it to be? Well, this well, we did, says more about you. <laughs> we did look at a, a book made of human flesh where piss was involved. Yeah, but I don't heavily think involved. That makes it yeah. necessary okay. to the process. Not generally, not generally, my understanding. Okay. And I looked into skin manuscripts, and mm. it turns out they're very like niche. Like you only mm. really see them in the like the Victorian era. Like yes, yeah. is yeah, it exactly. the ga- was it the gaslight? You know, somebody, everybody just like fucked up on gas films and just want right. skin books. I <laughs> yeah, don't know. Skin books. Fuck um, yeah. Skin books. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you don't really see that shit in medieval times. Mm-hmm. They've got, so they, they, you've got your pelt. It's been, the fur has been removed. It's been soaked in lime. Um, and then they're going to scrape it with this curved knife. And they're going to do that continually over a few days so as the pelt tightens and dries they're going to adjust that frame a little bit more and they're going to tighten it again to and scrape it again to get the thinness of the folio like the manuscript page okay so the thinner like, the... A, like a profession i like i i'm a booksmith mm-hmm. this is what i do i kill goats and i scrape them and i piss on them and and here yeah. you are, sir here's some vellum i'm like a vellum merchant is that would that be like a, a profession Oh, there's Mark. He's the vellum merchant. You can tell because he stinks of piss constantly. (laughs) 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 If he offers you a cup of tea, don't don't drink it. Don't drink it. Get your vellum and go. It's fucking bad shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. um, Yeah. Because it. uh, But it's all part of like the monastic life, you know. So and that's where the majority of medieval manuscripts would have been made, Um, and so. And this happens over several days. It's fucking horrifying. Yeah. That's like, that's horror story yeah. shit, right? You know, you've right. got your skin being flayed off your body. And when they talk about manuscripts, like, and especially when they talk about digitizing manuscripts, they use that language, flayed, torn, Ugh. ripped, mm-hmm. you know, this, mm. it's really brutal language that they're using to mm. describe it. Um, 
the most prized skin. Oh, God, it's grim. To be used for a medieval manuscript would have been the, the skin of a stillborn baby goat. Jesus oh. Christ. So that disaster. Goat, goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm constantly oh. roaming the, the, the <laughs> Not until know, the, the Victorian era, buddy. Of yeah. local yeah. hospitals, you know, <laughs> looking for those sweet, sweet skin. Because um, who ha- amongst us hasn't thought, you know? Yeah. yeah. Every time I, I see a stillborn me... goat, I'm like, that'd be a great book. Right? So Gonna make nobody some would, sweet, sweet would pages. Like, casually read for pleasure, then. That's not something that, that you could not, do. Not at that particular time. Okay. No. And the vast and manuscripts, I mean, more the wealthier households, they would have. But, mm-hmm. you know, as, as proles, <laughs> we, would, we wouldn't have been reading for pleasure. We would have probably gone to church to be read too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and so, and that's another aspect of the manuscript that we don't, we do think about it, but on a different level, I think the phenomenological experience of a of a manuscript. Yeah, because you're going into a church. Stanford Uni do this thing where you they do manuscripts by candlelight. Okay, so you go and they bring out these manuscripts. I'm presuming they are copies rather than the real thing. (laughs) But they do use battery operated candles. (laughs) Just in case. Just in case. Um, (laughs) Who needs that? Um, Yeah. And it replicates the experience of reading a manuscript by candlelight because that's completely different to how we, you know, today would look at a manuscript. We'd look at it in a library under lights or we'd look at it Mm -hmm. on a computer screen. We wouldn't look at it by candlelight, which is how it was supposed to be viewed or in a church mm-hmm. through you know narrow church windows so the, there's the phenomenological experience of of a manuscript that doesn't necessarily translate but it's exactly the same as how you read or or watch a film because i bet you both have rituals that you employ yes you know to to get yourself ready for watching like a good film yes. mm-hmm. right so lights off lights on on. Appropriate lighting, <laughs> film appropriate, appropriate lighting, yeah. yeah. Mood lighting, mood yeah. Lighting. Mood lighting, yeah. There you go. Okay. Not too bright, yeah. too dark. Not, you know. not the big yeah. light. Not the big light. The big Never light. the overhead light. You know. Uh, yeah. Your why popcorn. can't you have them? I know. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Worst. So yeah. cup of tea, mood lighting. Yeah. You know, Maybe a blanket clothes. if it's cold. I was gonna say comfy clothes. You know. Get a throw on. Got your hoodie. Yes. You know, and that's your phenomenological experience of watching a film. I wonder if you didn't replicate that experience, whether the film would, a film mm. would play the same way to you. Right. Yeah. Like you'd watch it differently in a different environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that people forget. We come to ma- manuscripts with medieval, with modern sensibilities. <clears throat> we can't yes. possibly yeah. experience them the way that medieval people experience them. Mm. So what we think of as fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they would have played differently in medieval times and vice versa. Yeah. You're talking about um, you know, you've got manuscripts that cover loads of different fields, you know, my boy Chaucer, my boy Chaucer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big up, big up my boy Chaucer. <laughs> Mad um, props to the homie. <laughs> yeah. Derivative <laughs> fuck that he was. Um but the majority of them would have been religious subjects and religion, mm-hmm. as we all know, deeply terrifying headfuck. So yeah. it stands to reason that books that were transmitting that sort of information would 
also be pretty scary. Um, yeah. Hell and the devil were frequently portrayed in manuscripts because they're useful sticks, aren't they, to beat people into submission with. Yep. So you're walking into your house of God. Ah, you know, fucking lights coming from different places, shadows maybe where they shouldn't be, you know, and you're already being filled with, you know, God's grace or whatever it is you're getting filled with in the church. <laughs> and and then you're encountering a manuscript page that is showing you a replication of a scene from hell. Mm. You know, they used to love portraying the hell mouth. Which I always yeah. think of as a Buffy thing, right? Right, yeah. But it's actually... Because somebody heard the term, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually, like, it's it's biblical and it's referenced often in medieval manuscripts and it's usually, like, a fucking gaping mouth. It's like a monster with a huge mouth and, like, hundreds of people just crammed in, oh, just crammed inside <laughs> it, okay? Because <laughs> that's what you'd sound like if you were, you know, in the gaping maw of a, of a hell beast. Right. Oh. Yeah, um, kind of like all the people stuck inside the jean jacket in nope you know <laughs> screaming i haven't the... seen it yeah, so yeah, yeah. Say, I it's I, truly I, I horrifying it's, <laughs> it's a very scary moment and yeah. it sounds exactly like your hell mouth yeah so to us looking at that that you know we've got modern references to it that was scary but the actual originating image would, would probably wouldn't phase us at all but for a mm. medieval person experiencing it phenomenologically i gotta say it like that you've got um there's a manuscript i think it's the british library arundel uh, i've got it written down arundel ms 157 and it shows the devil tempting christ and he's fucking completely red and he's got wings and a scaly tail and a curved nose um and there's something deeply fucking off about him. Right? <laughs> he's sketchy. He's sketchy. But <laughs> and in in but in medieval times he would have been terrifying. Yeah? yeah. So books of hours also are really good places to kind of look at weird shit because and it was something in particular called the Office of the Dead. Have you guys heard of this? Do you, no. do you know what no. that is? No. Okay, so the Book of Hours, I'm going to describe it as a bit like a bit like a Now album. Okay, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Or a, or <laughs> a greatest hits. Yeah, <laughs> now that's what I call praise volume three, right? But it's basically like a kind of mixtape of your favourite praise. It'll have mm -hmm. certain things in it because you need them to go through the, the liturgical day. But... Mm -hmm what what most of them will have is the office of the dead mm -hmm. and the office of the dead um, were a series of prayers that um, were used to um, help the soul of a dead person move on from death to the next life okay mm -hmm. now they, these prayers had to be said over the body of the deceased to ensure that they passed over in, into whatever it was next, you know, um, mm. and the illustrations that often come in books of hours to, um, alongside the office of the dead, they write, they, they're deeply fucked up. So you've got things like skulls, you've got rotting corpses, there's angels and demons battling for souls, there's that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and in other manuscripts, you'd have also have representations of things um, of the three living and the three dead. So I'm rattling through loads of stuff here. I did a blog on this not long ago. But the three living and the three dead were, it was basically a kind of do right or you're fucking going to hell sort of thing. And it was a, it was a, basically a story in which three living men encounter 
um, three dead souls and they have to reconsider their life choices. So this like is like Scrooge situation. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there's modern <laughs> parallels to this. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's basically, you've got to learn your lesson before it's too mm-hmm. late because you're going right. to dance. And unless you learn, you're going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a beautiful one in the Dresden prayer book. Um, and the three, there's three people on horseback and the horses are all startled. So they're all rearing up. I was going to do like a, Way, but, <laughs> 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 but, um, but nobody's going to appreciate that. So I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> I was so, in though, so <laughs> right, come with me on this yeah. journey. So yeah, so the the they're on horseback. The horses are rearing up and screaming, and there's three skeletons, and they're looming. You know, they're reaching out. So this would have been fucking shit scary for for the average medieval person because concepts like death and the afterlife they weren't abstract things. Right, they, they were one hundred percent real, and you had to live a good life you had to have an mm-hmm. eye on the afterlife you had to kind of make sure that you were living a good life and you could it wasn't good enough that you had a good life you had to have a good death as mm. well you had to die mm-hmm. in a certain way like you couldn't die suddenly mm. I'm out now you know and I've gone <laughs> on the street heart attack that's fucking that's a disaster because who's gonna who's gonna well wow. just for me obviously right. um but who's gonna be knocking about with um you know, a, a book of hours with the uh, with the office yeah. of the dead in it, because I'm unless s- they say the office of the dead over my you know dead body, I'm fucked. Mm. Yeah, uh, and what what constitutes a good death then? How how do I have to die to make sure that I'm all right with the afterlife? Mm. Oh, maybe in medieval it's too times, too late for you. <laughs> oh, no, it's, not. it's not. It's okay. You're, okay. You're excluded, but theoretically. Um, no, you, you, everybody can have a good death. It had to be a quiet death. You had to be surrounded by your family, um, mm. preferably in bed. You mm-hmm. had to, absor- you know, absolved yourself of all your sins. You've, you've handed those over to the priest. He's going to yeah. sort those out, probably at the financial expense of your family, and <laughs> you know, and that's a good death. And your, and the prayers from the office of the dead would be recited over you, and on you would go your merry way to the next phase of your journey but to unless degree, all those things like, yeah would that be like i mean honestly that'd be kind of easier to predict then than now anyway right like people yeah. were sort of dying from longer illnesses and stuff like that where they could mm-hmm. see things coming they're not getting in a plane or car crash or no. you know no. things like they're not living long enough to uh have the a lot of the same things that kill us suddenly and things like that so to a degree it feels like maybe for people, you know, at this point, which is, by the way, what time span are we looking at? Mm. Medieval. Yeah. What, what's the years that we're looking at there? We're kind of looking at from the 10th century through mm-hmm. to about the f- 15th century. So we're talking like kind of okay. if you like, yeah, any later than that is very shady. People okay. get very, very pissy. <laughs> yeah, you, about including that. If you start to there. kind of somebody, somebody online the other, I, I don't know where it was. They said something about the Tudor period being medieval, and they were fucking shot down in flames. <laughs> no, absolutely not. How dare you? How dare you darken our doors with the Tudors? Nah, even um, I, even I, think that's a bit fucking rum to call the the, the Tudor age medieval. We're actually all off as a family to somewhere called uh, Tudor World next weekend. Oh. Tudor world, I love it. Tudor world, wow. yeah. 
That sounds like the worst amusement park I've ever heard of in my yeah, life. It does. That sounds like there's going to be a lot of very sketchy mannequins. Oh, completely. Just with shit yes. wigs. Uh, Papi and Mashi. report head. back what it smells like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. Uh, I'm, one of the boys is studying the Tudors in, in school. So we're going on a fucking field trip to Tudor world. Uh, and on the way in, you get given like a bottle of piss and some fake boils to stick on you. Nice. Nice. It's a bit like Big Pip then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. It all comes not back. Dissimilar. <laughs> yeah, not dissimilar. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the kind of time period that we're looking at. And mm-hmm. and obviously that's a very religious time. Because yeah. as you said, people don't live long enough. They've they've right. firmly committed to knowing what's gonna happen next because they're gonna die mm. when they're like nineteen or yeah, right. any time now, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. might not be true. So just look up <laughs> sure. the age thing. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't long and it wouldn't be uncommon for someone to die very young. I'm curious, like sort of on that note, you know, people are living compared to us now where we can stave off death for decades and decades are living relatively short lives Mm -hmm. um, in which, like you're saying, they're they're going into these churches, these uh, where the ambiances of death and, you know, the gravity of that and they're re- they're yeah. getting these you know manuscripts read to them of these things that are going to happen to them in their day-to-day lives you know what does that how does it if you know any of this to, i know you're you study manuscripts so fine if you don't know this but like in their day-to-day lives what is how does that manifest do they go about that like are they just praying all day are they you know how <laughs> are they with religion throughout their day-to-day life what does it look like to be a person in that period well they would have fought, had to generally follow the liturgical calendar which is why books of hours existed so that because mm-hmm. they they were they replicated the kind of bigger um breviaries that would have been in churches and monasteries and stuff so they they would have adhered not potentially strictly but they would certainly have had to think about um the the day-to-day business of prayer as mm. it were and i suppose a lot of the communities were centered around churches and monasteries at the time so it would have been part of their daily life mm-hmm. um and again that's something that we don't consider right our, you know our our routines are um structured very very differently well, if you asked me 10 years ago, it it would have been structured around the church <laughs> all the time, constantly I'm, at church. I've had a, a, a sneaky look while we've been chatting, actually. Would anyone care to take a punt on what the average lifespan of a male born to a landholding family in England during medieval times? Landholding family. I'm going to say... I'm going to guess... 31. 32. Oh! <laughs> what if I told you it's 31.3? Oh! <laughs> Right hey, in the fucking right in the job, middle. Team. Great Whoa. job. Great job. Go team. How about what about to a well, okay. So life expectancy at age 25 for landowners in medieval England was just 25.7. Wild. Mm. So, so you'd better gross. you'd better get right with the afterlife if yeah. you're gonna fucking mm-hmm. if you ain't making it to 32. And we'd yeah, we'd all be donezo by now. <laughs> I don't think any of us would be land holding medieval people either, realistically. No, 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 no. So, you know, no. <laughs> wouldn't and look I great for us. I definitely would have been tried as a witch at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if I it... made it to my lifespan, I'm, I'm, right. I'm a goner. 
Yeah, you're going you're going up, up on that that stake <laughs> as his mark yeah. for his her suitism. Like anthropy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any yeah. are there any kind of famous uh, <laughs> kind of like outlawed texts or manuscripts? Were there mm. any kind of blacklisted forbidden texts? Um I mean anything not churchy. Mm. But then that, mm-hmm. that stuff wasn't really getting written. Right. And what you'll find, as I think you referenced this earlier with Christianity, they like, um, they absorb stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then it's like, oh, this is deeply popular with a certain demographic. So we're just going to take that and we're going to yeah. turn it into something far less interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of tended to be what happens. So you've got manuscripts that would have been like magic. Okay, so they would mm-hmm. have had, um, but you have to remember as well that what we considered to be magic at the time was science a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. You know, so yeah, so they were manuscripts that were filled with magic, but often the magic would be conjoined with Christianity. So it, the use of it had been legitimized by the church to a right. degree. However, you've got magic basically, and we're talking about the Tudors again necromancy was a fucking no no oh thumb thumb up (laughs) no good (laughs) (laughs) I felt legitimized then thank you right his his computer agreed with you gave you the thumbs up (laughs) oh dear god in heaven that's right Uh, yeah no more festivals for you, Lewis. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, yeah. So necromancy. So you've got this um, additional MS 3544. I've written it down. So it's a book of magic. And it was basically a Tudor manual for necromancy. Mm. Oh, necromancy cool. being the summoning of spirits. <laughs> yeah. Summoning right. of spirits to do your bidding. Um, yeah. And it was regarded by the Tudor authorities as like the number one most fuck around and find out thing that you <laughs> could do yeah? yeah you know don't be messing with that shit it's gonna it's gonna fuck you right up mm-hmm. um but the additional ms manuscript is is a beaut because the writer himself doesn't separate his magic from his faith so he saw them mm. absolutely as one and the same thing so you've got um divination involved um involving angels so he's invoking angels and angel spirits um but then he's got them next cheek by jowl basically with spells to kind of um convince women to take their clothes off and dance <laughs> nice okay right why not he contained Mark's multitudes like, yes yes <laughs> i know i see this has interested you mark no it, I could, this for the life of me think why all what i'm i'm kind of wondering was there like a kind of almost like a kind of an underground market for forbidden manuscripts were they kind of you know rogue Your top shelf shit like exactly mm. exactly i'm thinking you know stuff like lady chatley's lover were, were, so, was there was was you know kind of erotic manuscripts did they exist mm. um i mean what like the sort of manuscript you'd find in a bush by a train track yeah. That kind of thing, yeah, in a, in a um, ye old plastic bag. <laughs> ye old plastic bag with something <laughs> odd on it. Um, <laughs> um, no, not really. I okay. mean, you, you know, you, you're going to be looking at things like fucking like Gilgamesh. You know, mm-hmm. that was pretty. It was pretty racy. You're not getting it. <laughs> you're not getting any. You're not getting TNA, mate. You're not mm. getting like tits and ass and fannies. You're you're getting. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to you. I wonder who who the first person was who decided who thought, hang on. I could I could pull this in a manuscript and maybe people I mean, might pay for it. It's not to say that there was never any form of like, you know, pornographic writings yeah, yeah. and yeah, mm-hmm. things like I mean, it's like there's stuff on cave walls and shit that yeah. is, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Just maybe but not the stuff the expense, that you're looking at. Yeah, the no, okay, expense okay. and the like <laughs> difficulty of Excuse making me. a manuscript, it sounds like, mm. would be pretty restrictive along with the fact that your audience can't read them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, who, who are you making that porn for? is a visual medium, isn't it? <laughs> right. it is. um, but no, no, mm. I mean, you, you know, like I said, a lot of the manuscripts were made by the church. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- that doesn't absolve them from being riddled with fucking porn. But mm-hmm. um, generally, I don't think that there was a kind of um, that sort of thing was being made. What there were kind of there were kind of things that were being made that were that are a bit like fucking odd like they mm. don't fit into a niche <laughs> um or their content strange or like the Voynich manuscript yeah no the Mo- the Voynich manuscript I think of as being you'll get this reference mark I think the, the it's like the oak island of the manuscript world <laughs> he will not get this reference oak island yeah I honestly can't no. tell if you're... Wait, no, are sorry you being... mate right over my head are you oh serious? wait I spoke about this a couple weeks ago didn't I <laughs> What the absolute fuck? I just, I just, I, wow. I started typing it into Google and it also completed. <laughs> I have, in fact, yes, I do get that reference. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. that was um, incredible. The the, <laughs> ni- the ninety foot long stone yeah. that was found. Which, by the way, I we will revisit this, but it was <laughs> called the ninety foot stone. It yeah. is not ninety foot long. It was oh. found ninety, 90 feet, feet down in, in the, the ground. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which you Mark see, not, you see my Mark literally issue. screenshotted and sent me this thing. And I was like, you do realize that this is 90 feet down, not that it was yeah. 90 feet. And he was like, oh, <laughs> literally contradicting everything you've just said. <laughs> so we'll come back to that for everyone who listened to the Oak Island one and was as confused as I was. We'll revisit that story. <laughs> we'll do a tarot and we'll. <laughs> yes, we'll do it, it again. But yeah. the the Voynich, which we did talk about on the Laydown podcast, and people should listen to that. But for mm-hmm. and I will link to it in the description along with Carrie's blog and all of that stuff. But would you refresh our audience who didn't listen to that on what that I will. is? <laughs> I will. I will do it from notes because I am not bringing a knife to a gunfight, and I, <laughs> this is this is not <laughs> this is not my particular field of expertise. Sure. Yeah. The Voynich manuscript is named after um, Wilfred, Wilfred Voynich, who discovered it allegedly in around 1912. Um, it's made of parchment. They think it dates anywhere between 1404 and 1438, but they don't know. Mm. Um, it's made of calf skin, so it, it's not particularly um, luxurious material. It's it's common or garden so there's nothing to be gained from thinking oh this was like made and it was like really for really wealthy family mm-hmm. or whatever it's just it's fine it's just standard parchment um super quick physically how big is this thing the voynich i don't yeah. know that's a good question how how big are manuscripts usually are they pretty large item. some were the devil's bible the codex gigas was the size of a three-year-old child <laughs> 
That's how it's they a big ass it. book. I love that. That's how they measured it. Yeah, <laughs> love that. Um, it's fucking huge, and it's famous. Uh, I'm going off ta- off on a tangent again. It's famous because it, it, there are no illustrations in any other part of the manuscript except a full page illustration in the middle of the devil. Mm. Nice. And the legend had it that the manuscript had been written in one night by mm. a single scribe um, who had sold his soul to the devil in order nice. to achieve it. Um, it, it. It probably would have taken, and it was a single scribe, and it, but it probably would have taken them around 25 years wow. to finish the Codex Gigas. Incredible. Yeah, um, wow. yeah and um, which is why the kind of myth of, it had to have been done in one night came from because the uniformity of the writing was so mm, good. Mm-hmm. They were like, how can one single person have possibly done this? But yeah, the Codex Gigas was enormous. Size okay, of the three-year-old child. You don't know how big the Voynich is. is. beautiful. It is, isn't it? It's it absolutely fucking yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. Send me a picture, but Mark. The, and the but the Voynich is just like a commonal garden. Yeah. Standard, nothing, nothing, mm. nothing particularly special about it. It's written in an unknown language. Mm-hmm. to start so there are some elements that they think might be latin there are some elements that they think might be high german but again nobody can confirm any of that they think there's a certain there's a type of grammatical form but they're not sure mm-hmm. they think it might be natural language which mm. so it's a community-based language you know it's like mm. um people from tradiga you know you've got your own kind of Oh, of course. <laughs> right? Of that course. nobody else knows. Well, um, let, me, let me give Corey an example of this, right? Ooh, oh, God. okay. So, Corey, uh, let's say, for example, you are stopping on your travels one day to, uh, you've seen a cat on, on the ground walking towards you, and you'd like to look at this cat. This is a, an attractive cat. So you bend down and you give this cat a little bit of a stroke. Enraged, the cat bears its claws and gives you a strike with its claws across your hand. What has that mm. cat done to you? If you, I don't know. If you were to, if you, what, what is that action of being? I want to say Claude? it. I want to say the word. Is it Claude? Kerry, what is it? I think it's scagged. Scrammed. 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 Did you, sm- did you stroke it, Mark, or smooth it? Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, very nice. But, but yeah. Uh, oh, a cat scrammed me. I would say that neither of those it. words here. But... No. <laughs> Nobody. I've, no, I've known no one else to use that term outside of the kind of. Right. Ten yeah. mile mm-hmm. area that the that I grew up in. It's, Very strange. Yeah, it's like where yeah. I come from, where it's like we are. There's one specific area of Western Massachusetts where we call a yard sale a tag sale. There's nowhere else else on earth that if you hear someone say it, you know they're from that area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and it little... becomes a way of identifying people from that area. Right. So yeah, yeah. So they so they wondered whether the Voynich was natural. Um, I see language. Yeah, but they don't know. <laughs> they also wondered whether it was constructed, whether it was entirely mm. artificial. Okay. Um, Klingon, yeah, like your fucking boy avatar, where you yes. water. Sure. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a very visual response there yep. to avatar, the way of water. Um, <laughs> water sack of shit. Um, <laughs> but they've created a language specifically for that, haven't they? And so mm-hmm. that's a constructed language. No, they don't know if it's mm. that, but they suspect it might be. Um, they wonder if it's code, they wonder if it's a cipher, you know, if it's cryptology. They have had some of the best and brightest minds looking at this manuscript. Um, World War II cryptographers who have cracked codes have looked at it and they can't decipher the language in it. Um, So crazy. 
Yeah, so a lot of research has gone into it. Um, it's not, so another thing with the parchment, with the paper itself, it's not a palimpsest manuscript. So a palimpsest is one that where you've written on it, you think, fuck that shit, I don't need that anymore, I don't want it, I'm going to scrape all of that off and I'm going to write over the oh. top again. Okay. So sometimes when they digitise manuscripts, now they will find the writing underneath, you know, the mm -hmm. writing that's been scraped away. Right. No, none of that. None of okay. that with coinage. Um, so the parchment was used specifically for this one manuscript. It hasn't been mm -hmm. recycled. Um, the illustrations are ambiguous, mm -hmm. meaning a lot of the things in it aren't known to us mm -hmm. in, on Earth. <laughs> okay. So there's plants and they're laid out like we would traditionally see them in a medieval manuscript. They're illustrated in the same ways, but they're not the same. So you'll have a plant that we might recognize with the root structure of a completely different plant. It's wow. not the same. It's completely different. Um, yeah, so there, there's often conjoined features with things. And and so nothing is nothing is right nothing mm. is as it should be they can't read it they don't know what the illustrations are meant to represent they don't know if it's i think more recently they were thinking oh maybe it was a community of of medicine women yeah, who were yeah, writing yeah. in code you know to yeah. try and they've had ai looking at it yeah um nothing seemingly comes up the first confirmed owner of the voynich was an alchemist in the 17th century who allegedly didn't even know how the manuscript had come to be in his possession. It had just <laughs> oh, appeared beautiful, Excellent. as if by magic one day. Yeah. Um, they then thought that the person who, the scribe, the creator of the Voynich, might have been Roger Bacon, who was a 12th century philosopher and Franciscan friar who had written treaties on the creation of the Philosopher's Stone. <clears throat> So you know the Philosopher's Stone, yeah? Sure. I, no, I mean, aside from Harry Potter, I don't know yeah. what that is. So in aside from Harry Potter, it's basically something that they thought could turn uh, material into gold. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. It also had the ability to grant eternal life. Got it. So Roger Bacon, our erstwhile Franciscan friar and philosopher, was potentially a source for the Voynich, but they can't confirm that. They don't know. Um, and it's just weird. So it's 230 pages long. Somebody has gone to so much effort to create yeah, this yeah, manuscript, yeah, yeah. but yeah. nobody knows why. Um, I went to fucking, there's a there's an academic at Yale called Lisa Fagan Davis, and she's like preeminent in her field. And this is her. In fact, I like, believe this is the mentor of the one of the people that was on the podcast that we were with. Right. Cool. Oh. Yeah. So she, this is her kind of passion project. Mm -hmm. And I attended um, an online lecture a couple of years ago, um, and it was brilliant. So you had these like very um, storied academics, you know, they were coming from all these different professional fields, looking at the ink, looking at the paper, looking at the language. And you had these guys going, but are we absolutely sure that aliens haven't like can we rule it out? Can we rule it out? And they were like, "Well, no, we 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 can't rule that out, but we can only go by the evidence of what we've got, which is not very much." But they were like, "But but yeah, aliens, yeah." And it was just wild. It was absolutely wild Amazing. because, but but again, we don't know, we don't know why this manuscript was made. So that's fucking weird. I Who love would that. go to all the effort 
yeah of creating i really something. hope that they really just did it to fuck with us that's the yeah. bit that's the bit that i love and that's that's the the explanation that i love the most yeah such a purposeful <laughs> act that would have taken mm-hmm. so goddamn long simply yeah. to play fuck with people yeah <laughs> i feel like that's exactly the sort of thing you would do as a like a really I, I, I get it i get it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah amazing what is your what is your instinct to tell you kerry what's your hunch Mm. oh god that's a really good question Mm. um (laughs) i don't know because it because manuscripts the making of manuscripts was a labor intensive process Uh you know the creation of them the writing of them this isn't something you could knock up in a couple of days this is something that would have taken time yeah i mean you're talking about that other guy taking 25 years to write something you know these are not easy peasy no, absolutely not. So the effort that's gone into it, and I think that's the bit that confuses everybody. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why? Why yeah. would you put that much effort into something that could, you know, like the world's best prank? Um, there's, there's no, there's no possibility that it's a hoax. There's no possibility that it, that it's like they know it came from the 1400s. Mm. Well, that on the evidence that they've got at the moment, that's what they're saying. And the ink that was used is of of a date with the illustrations and the writing in it so there's no difference in terms of that Mm. it's um yeah to all intents and purposes it's a medieval manuscript that talks about astrology and astronomy and plants um there's ideas that it might be um about herbs you know it's a medicinal thing um somebody would have had been really fucking high (laughs) <laughs> to write it so maybe it was maybe it was medicinal yeah. um yeah but I don't know I think my hunch would be and on no basis of you know any research yeah. of mine yeah um I think it's probably come from a community of people I see. and yeah. they've and it's and they've used a cipher they've yeah. used that was exactly what I was thinking I was like it just feels like that's probably more than one person yeah. who made this <laughs> yeah I think they said they they think there might have been five different scribes interesting writing it so it's a it's been a collaborative process whatever's gone on with it is uh-huh. people have joined together to do it so wow. which I think which I and actually I think it would be nice if we'd never found out Oh, I agree. <laughs> you, yeah, I completely you agree. and Mark are both on that. You love a you love a cold. Let's case. keep digging I into that pit and like to know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like I'm bothered by the idea of time capsules. You know, <laughs> the idea that like if they put it in my lifetime, once every day time they put something in the ground that's going to be there for a hundred years, I'm like, fuck you. That's I need to know what's in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> oh I don't. I want to know. I want. I want them to solve it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like. I'm like. You know, some less sleeping dogs lie, man. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, if we just find en- out, enjoy it, might be it like... for the enigma. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, wonderful. Um, Absolutely fucking is... brilliant. Where, where is it held? Where is it kept? Where can I go and view it? It's you. It's digitized. Uh, definitely, you can view it on the Yale website. Okay. So if you Google Voynich, the whole thing's been digitized. Excellent. Doctor Carey. Oh. This is. We have covered so much ground from like so where sorry. we start. No, that's that's complimentary. Yeah, really is. Really this is. has been such a fascinating conversation, just, mm. you know, philosophical and historical and, you know, all ev- scientific and everything in between. And I know this has been such a pleasure for me. My first time actually talking to you like in I know. real time I know. Uh, and it has been a delight. Yes, it was worth the wait. 
I have to say, I I know I've told Mark this, but during lockdown, I started listening to your pod and um, Mark's accent was so resonant of home Mm. and the whole (laughs) podcast became a connection to 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 my family so it's weird to be here with you guys because I feel like I know I know Mark but I feel like I know you both so (laughs) so well and sometimes when Corey will say something in the pod and I'll be like yeah Mark what the fuck like (laughs) and I'm I'm like team Corey and I feel like it's like yeah it's like a family debate right yeah exactly but with the world's greatest family rather than my family Yeah, 100%. Where where can people find your blog? Um, it's a WordPress blog. So it's just Kerry Thomas WordPress. And um, yeah, all of my navel gazing and ramblings will be on there. Um, it's, it's quite personal. So I kind of, yeah, I filter everything, every feeling I have through a medieval lens. Um, oh, nice. And, yeah, and people seem to like it. I think it's had, yeah. it's had quite a few. I still views. have to go back and, and read your Strange New Worlds ones now that I've finished that series yes. twice. I've just, <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I need to get to the end of, um, oh, God, Lower Decks. I haven't got to the end oh, of that yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, bad yeah. with watching cartoons, so I watch like three at a time and then I forget I'm watching it for months. Mm. Uh, but yeah, beautiful. I will I will link to that in the blog for anyone who wants to read these insights. Um, and it's just it's been wonderful having you yes. here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been Sincere brilliant. Thanks. Yes. Mark, take that. Uh, I shall. So all that remains. Oh, and let me let me just tease uh, next week's episode. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if oh. arcane fuckery and prognostication and arcane kind of divination methods are your thing tune in next week where Corey and i are going to get our tarot read yes it's going to be amazing my dear friend leanne is going to come and yeah read tarot for us and bless her she knows we think it's shit and she is fully on board for this and it's going to be a magical time Yes. So listen, when on Jack of All Graves is it not a magical time? So uh, yet another magical time has come to an end. Kerry, I cannot thank you enough for your time this evening. It's been fucking every, every, every minute worth the wait. And to you, friends, uh, I hope you found some insight there. How do you feel about the idea of eternal life living on a fucking Mm. printed circuit border in silicon somewhere? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, Let us know. Let us know. Hit us up. But while you're doing that, obviously... It would be great if you could also stay spooky. Here, here. <laughs>